Kitchen. <laughs> Just drink it, all right? <laughs> Chester, have you opened the wine yet? Can we get the show on the road, please? Did you bring the wine? I got the wine. <laughs> what do you think this is? Some kind of bitch and wine talk show? Welcome to my bitch and wine talk show, where the tasting notes are made up and the points don't matter, and we say whatever we want about the wine that we're drinking. I'm Stephen Lane, your host. I'm here with my trusty sidekick, Chester the Nightfly Northfield. <laughs> Drinking again. Chester, you there? Uh, Chester is, is, is alive. Is he well, though? <laughs> Chester will be well. He will be well after we open this bottle of wine that we have here. Stephen, what are we drinking today? We are drinking the 2013 Bodegas Muga Rioja Reserva, naturally from the Rioja region of northern Spain. Why are we drinking a Rioja? Why aren't we drinking a Rioja? <laughs> <laughs> that is the sound of my, uh, my worm entering the cork. Okay. Good news, Chester. We have a clean bottle of wine here. Would you like to uh, of give that cork a nice little sniff? Mm. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, it smells sweet. It's nice wood. They've used nice wood here on the Muga Rioja Reserva. Isn't that a sweet sound? You may be wondering what you've gotten yourself into at this point, so we're going to spell it out for you here. Uh, we've just cracked a bottle of wine. We're going to drink it. As we go, we're going to offer our highly biased, limited, and incredulous expertise on the wine to improve your experience and quality of life, whether you drink the wine or not. And uh, for those of you who just drink it alone, we'll give you some company. All right, so we've got this bottle open here. Let's go through Chester. Let's um, let's see what the public and some of the other uh, wine forums in the world have to say about this wine. Um, we're going to look at the winemaker notes from wine.com for this 2013 Muga Reserva. Talk to me, Goose. Okay, on the nose, it displays ripe dark fruit, grape syrup, bitter chocolate. You had me at grape syrup. <laughs> You know what that reminds you me of? You had me at old grape juice. Well. What's it remind you of? Um, you know those ring pops? There was like always a grape flavor. Oh my God. Is that what they mean by grape syrup? Because I don't think this wine really tastes or smells like that. Is that why I love wine? Because of the. Those Although, ring I, you pops? know, I can see where they're coming from. I mean, you know, for Rioja here, I mean, Muga is interesting house, folks. Let's back up the truck for a minute. Um, have a reputation in the wine world as being a very traditional house for Rioja. What, now, what, is, what does that mean when you say traditional? Well, this is kind of the crux of the you know, issue here, is what is traditional? And I'm not even sure if I know, and that's why we're discussing it, obviously, but it was kind of stated you know, in some of the research I did was that you, know, you will not find a stainless steel tank at Muga's facility, which I thought was very interesting. So all the wines being aged in wood, uh, Muga is one of the only producers um, out there who actually has their own cooperage as well. So they import... Oh you know, oak from France and the United States of America, and they actually will cooper barrels themselves, which is very interesting. So kind of traditionalist in that sense that they really do everything from the ground up. They manage their vineyards very closely. Um, nothing sees stainless steel, which is more of an innocuous 
um, less oxidative, and of course, much more technologically advanced way of making wine. So in, in this case, traditional is, is really referring to like how wine was made before stainless steel before other technologies yeah, like in a certain sense so i think i think when they referred to in one sense sorry to interrupt you but in mm-hmm. one sense as traditional uh i think really we can fairly just say traditional in the sense of winemaking techniques so not necessarily traditional in terms of like taste well, this work, it's interesting. Or, or does that mean, like, if, I mean, if they're doing it in a traditional way, you're going to get a traditional tasting wine? I guess I'm kind of like, what's interesting about this is, where does the term traditional, as it relates to this wine, add value to the experience? Are most people drinking this wine, myself included, going to understand, like, what does traditional really mean? To me, when I hear the word traditional as applied to the taste of a wine, I'm thinking of something that is generally less showy, uh, potentially a little bit um, well, more is, kind is, of closed. Is, I mean, what, what, do you, what are your Isn't thoughts? that indicative of the region, though? Because, like, if you're going to say a traditional California cab, like, well, you're, you're not going to get something that's closed and, and, and shy because, well, there's not much of a tradition when it comes to California wine because it's relatively new in comparison exactly. to old world wine. So if you, mm-hmm. if you th- think about, like, a traditional... California cat, which probably the first time that sentence, <laughs> those words have ever been. No, spoken. I mean, but there is enough of a tradition there. There's a certain p- dominant pattern of the region. But anyway, but you're, it's a good point that you raised. So I guess the question here is, what the hell is traditional when it comes to Rioja? Do we have anyone from the 1930s in our audience who can who vouch can for us recall here? Recall what like Rioja in the 1930s. And this is the problem. So like. I mean, let, let's let's be honest here. I mean, you know, I haven't tasted a lot of old Rioja wine. Um, there's a lot of people in the world that have. But when, when you say old Rioja wine, like how old are we talking about? 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, beyond, 80s, even 90s. Hmm. You know what I mean, right? Like I mean, if we're talking traditional, like how how deep is your love? Well, how old is how, <laughs> how how old is this um, this producer? They've been around since the '30s. So maybe traditional just means that they've been doing it the same since the '30s. Well, I mean, it's referred to, and we're talking about the you know kind of public consensus here, you know, and kind of these the online wine community. You know, Muga is continuously referred to as a traditional producer. Okay, online wine community, what does that mean? <laughs> Well, I think this is really why... I mean, is, the, it, is it just something to say? This is what I really would like to get down to on this show is, you know, when you're sorting through information, how are you going to protect yourself from, you know, these red herring words like traditional? You know, that, that's a perfect point. Like, I feel, especially with wine, there's just all of these buzzwords. I was talking to uh, the, the producers at, at Stoneboat the other week. Right. And he was talking Stoneboat, about... Stoneboat uh, Vineyards and Oliver... South Okanagan Valley. Yeah. Good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. Great stuff. Uh, I was talking to him and he was, he taught, he, he mentioned this concept how buzzwords like go through trends mm. over the years and, and people just very much they, so. they just switch out these buzzwords and start news, using new words. And it's, it's like how, how, how helpful and meaningful are the words actually being if they can be so easily swapped out and, and like just, you just use different words, you know? Absolutely. 
it, it's like how it's how like restaurants in a city will just go through a phase of like oh they're all serving Brussels sprouts and they're all like serving the albacore tuna tataki yeah exactly you know so it it makes it's always made me wonder it's like more wine I haven't even I haven't even you're okay I'm gonna have yet. I'm gonna I'm actually really enjoying this we didn't cheers we didn't we no oh we did clink glasses well right, let's do it again cheers buddy cheers santé Right. Salud, brindis, Givili. I mean, okay, so let's let's get back to it's good conversation, the buzzwords. But I mean, traditional. I, my my whole point is just that I think a lot of these buzzwords are just bullshit. It's just something to say when people really don't have a very a, a very mindful experience of what's actually going on when they're tasting wine. They're engaging more in a social, uh, like exercise. Yes, w- w- and not actually talking about it. You know, it reminds me. I was working at the bar once, and it was it was late at night, and I was I was a little pressed for time. And Chester works a mean bar. Oh. <laughs> I was I was a little pressed for time, and this this guy um, asked for a taste of. I think it was Viognier. Okay, and rhymes he, with May. He took a drink it all damn day. <laughs> He took a he took a full like minute and a half to like taste it. That's ninety seconds, folks. Taste it and think. Well, ninety seconds to taste the wine and think about it before you're like, yeah, I'll have a glass of this. Is rare at a bar. People, I hope this people guy taste is, it and they're like, yeah. I hope this guy never has to jump out of a burning building. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my point is like he was really thinking about this. And after I poured him the glass of wine, there was an, another. Someone else at the bar, a regular, who was like, wow, don't you hate it when people take that long to decide? And I was like, you know what? Actually, Did he overhear? Well, he saw it. He saw, he saw the whole interaction because okay. I was basically waiting there right. while right. Tr- you know, I had so, much, so many other things in the queue to right. do. But I said, you know, actually, it was really refreshing because most people don't even, th- don't even think or really experience what they're tasting when they do taste something. Right. And it's really refreshing to see someone actually take the time mm-hmm. to you know, have their brain actually register what's going on in right. their mouth. I mean, it's kind of annoying from a bartender's perspective. It's like, you know, just get it up, get it in, get it out. Don't miss my hairdo, you know, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> let's go here, folks. But on, this, on but the same token, you appreciate someone who's actually has the opportunity to preview something and decide, would I like to enjoy an entire five ounces of this liquid? Absolutely. I mean, m- most people... It's it's like a the chronic problem of our civilization right now. Right. We're just always so much in a rush that we we're you know we don't pause and take the time to mm-hmm. actually be like, huh, what what is this experience that I'm having actually really like? Well, let's tie this back into what we're tasting here. I mean, we're right. reading these notes. Um, we're. Give me a few more of these. So we we were talking about you know dark fruit, ripe dark fruit, grape syrup, bitter chocolate. As it opens up, hints of spices such as pepper. Vanilla and a little mountain scrub. Okay, exactly what I'm talking. What is mountain scrub? Is this a useful tasting note to our listeners? I, it might be useful for like an old spice commercial, but like I wh- think it's funny. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's hilarious if you, if. But that, that that's part of the problem. We have to. We're forced to laugh at this because like, what are you doing? Well, like, I think who are you talking to? I guess the, when you, know, you say, "Oh, this tastes like mountain scrub," like. Wh- and what? why are we really here? Actually, what is... I'm looking up Mountain Scrub. Mountain Scrub. Look up Mountain Scrub while you do that. 
I think it's so important and to, to kind of talk about, you know, the guy jumping out of a burning building, you know, on your, at your bar there, taking a long time to go, you know, taste his wine and actually understand the experience. We don't taste words. I mean, some aspects of taste can be translated into useful words. Yes, they can. I and they can be whole, descriptive. That whole process is... It's dubious it's at best. It's kind of screwed up. It's dubious at best, but I think nothing tastes more like the wine than the wine itself. Absolutely. And that's it, where blind tasting comes in. I mean, it's you think about, you know, if you were to pour me this blind, let's say I was a good blind taster, you know, I should be able to stick my nose in it and say, wow, Rioja. Like, I just have that connection of those flavor profiles, that exact essence of Rioja. And I think that's where the word traditional may apply. Would this wine be identifiable easily to someone who's familiar with Rioja? I think the answer is yes. Hmm. So it's traditional is really talking about, you know, familiarity in this case. I think so. I mean, it, does this wine possess the qualities that the majority of soundly produced wines from the same region possess? Is it part of a tradition? You can answer that question far better than I can. I would say the answer is yes for our listeners out there. Now, if we're going to go a step further, I think, you know, particularly speaking, this wine is quite satisfying. Um, Muga does use French and American oak, and you do, you know, and let's give the tasting note here a little bit of credit. Um, Talking about vanilla, I think there is a certain... Pepper and vanilla I can absolutely get on board with, like... Right. I think vanilla, for especially for me, and especially knowing they use American oak, not surprised to see that. But I also definitely think it's a palpable aroma and flavor on this wine coming from likely uh, the American oak that's used. Okay, I'm, I'm really fa- I'm familiar with American oak, but like, how does how's French oak going to? Where's the French oak in this? Like, of course, they're making generalizations. Um, less pronounced. Less pronounced. French oak is generally tighter grained. Mm-hmm. And the, it's generally more integrated. If I was to put it simply, for in in a useful phrase, I mean I can't say that many useful things about it. As per our conversation that we're in the middle of right now, is, you know, giving someone a useful word to describe a flavor. But generally, you know, being having a tighter grain, it's often imparts more subtle flavors onto a wine do, do you know if aging with a tighter grain like that actually does it take longer to achieve maybe a similar effect to what an american oak with a looser grain would achieve uh i'm just i, I suppose in, in theory densities and like how much like the density of the wood in theory i think that would be a, a fair thing to say we're really plowing through this wine. I mean, this is really, I think, what's important. I mean, oh, this is, we haven't had any food. This is so drinkable. We are a little under the weather. Um, we did a little test run last night, and I think this is really, I mean, this wine definitely is heightened by a little, by a little charcuterie, you know, a few cheeses. I think, oh. what, what for me, what this wine is, is kind of, you know, the, you know, smelling it, tasting it. I think it's the best of a couple of worlds. You know, you have this traditional sense. Yes, we can smell and taste the essence of Rioja in this wine. There's a, you know, a savory, almost a cellar-like, you know, kind of cheese rindy stink to it, if that makes sense. But that's very, very pleasant. And it's the kind of smell that, you know, maybe a young child wouldn't really 
recognize as enjoyable immediately. Almost like the first time you've ever have you ever had raclette cheese? Oh yeah. Yeah, it stinks to high heaven. You enter the room, it's like whoo. Yeah. But it's delicious, and you kind of almost learn to like the smell. Well, that that's like one of the interesting things about, you know, the, the palate. Like when you're a kid, there can be certain things that you just absolutely hate, and then. 10, 15 years later, you're like, this is delicious. Like, something has clearly changed. Absolutely. Like, you know, how many kids love, like, a stinky blue cheese? Not that many. I mean, I'm imagining. I haven't... I haven't tested it. I haven't actually tested that. I mean... Here, kids, (laughs) what do you think of these cheeses? I mean, here's an interesting idea. If you expose the young child to... Total sidetrack here. If you expose the young child to blue cheese before they were really conscious, maybe they would grow up loving it. Maybe. Why do we not do that more often? Well, probably because parents are just exhausted and, and don't have the wherewithal to experiment. <laughs> if only we were all French, folks. That, that's probably really unfair to a lot of parents. <laughs> I'm gonna claim. I'm gonna delightfully Chester claim the ignorance. <laughs> the nightfly claims. The nightfly flies again. Oh, uh, look. P.S. on the mountain scrub thing. I, I googled it. Oh yes, mountain scrub. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Talk to me, Googles. <laughs> Talk to me, Google. All right, the, the I just put in mountain scrub. The first thing that comes up is body scrub. Rocky Mountain Soap Company. It's like, what is this doing on a tasting note for wine? Am I am I eating like a like an old spice deodorant bar here? Is that what I'm supposed to be looking for? I am guessing that the author of this tasting note was trying to elicit a sense of earthiness. I'm oh. guessing, mm. but I mean, okay. I am, sure. you know, a moderately educated, semi-intoxicated individual <laughs> who does this for a living and drinks a lot of wine, and I am like merely at best guessing. That's what they're trying to elicit. This this is maybe the worst tasting note you've ever seen in your life, and and perfectly that, indicative now, of like. Let me qualify that mountain scrub that particular part of the rest of the note. Is so far. It's fine. Like, well, so like, far, fine. We were ex- I mean, I have a little bit of a problem with grape syrup because, like, okay, sure. You know, I thought about it, actually. I've been thinking about this one. This one's, this one's starting to sit better with me. Really? Yeah. Have you ever had grape syrup? There is a note of that. It almost has that kind of, it's like a macerated fruit quality. One but of the things, you know, like... How about, many like, people have had grape syrup? Like, preserved we can grapes, imagine what preserved, it, it's almost like cassis, preserved cherries. I think that's what they're getting at. And I kind of, you know what, I think it's a fair... I think it's a very fair note in that sense. I I still think it's has the potential of strangely alienating like a a significant portion of the population. I mean, I I could you can imagine what grape syrup would be like, but you know, it, it's far less useful than pepper and vanilla, which everyone familiar. Knows. Absolutely. Okay. Well, where is the allure then? What's what's the point of getting to know wine if there isn't something? I mean, for me. You know, I'm able to look at grape syrup and mountain scrub and kind of get an idea of what they were really going for when they described it that way. Yeah, but you you also just said that you know you've drank a lot of wine. You mm. do, you do this for a living. You have an idea of what these things might mean. You know, you are very well practiced in the gray space of what these ambiguous words probably That's true. mean. Well, we have to ask some questions. We have to ask who is this? Who is this note for? You, I guess. <laughs> That's a good answer. 
I, I honestly think the mountain scrub is a, is a failure. A complete failure. This should be on an Old Spice commercial. Let's continue. On the palate, it is balanced. Okay, balanced. How do we feel? Let's, since we're, while we're at it. <laughs> what would an unbalanced wine taste like? Well, you'd probably fall over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So, <laughs> so you, that's so fantastic. Fun. So wait, wait. All wines start off balanced. All wines start off balanced. But by balanced the third bottle, <laughs> the wine is completely unbalanced. You heard it here first, folks. The like, 2013 Bodegas Muga Rio Reserva. <laughs> you can stand up after you have a sip. <laughs> if you weren't already. But no, no, okay. So balance. I mean, we're talking about well, a they can scale be served. At, they can be served at receptions. <laughs> <laughs> they can be carried out on trays. <laughs> so balance. I mean, we're really talking about a scale here. What's on either side of the scale? To... Seesaw. Seesaw. They can be used on seesaw <laughs> with another bottle. Okay, so. What is the fat and skinny kid in wine when it comes to being balanced on, you know, our seesaw here? Exactly. And the answer is we don't know. What? Balanced here is all relative to the wine. You have to understand Rioja and understand the way it's supposed to taste for that to mean anything to you. Then that just alienates that aliens. I think that alienates me. We're distilling the tasting notes here, folks. Well, Um, if if I have never had Rioja before and I'm told it's. Balanced? Balanced. What does it say to you? I got one word for it. It says nothing to you. Okay, just like mountain scrub. Just like mountain scrub. It says nothing. Great. Grape syrup scares the shit out of you. I mean, I've just never actually had grape syrup. I mean, if you if you say... No, let, okay, perfect. If you have, um, either way, if you read, this wine smells like grape syrup... Here's a question for you. Imagine what grape syrup smells like. Grape syrup. That's going to be really sweet, concentrated, heavy mm-hmm. grape sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you smell it, are you likely to take a swig? Of the grape syrup? Yes. A swig of grape syrup. I mean, I mean If you smell grape syrup itself, are you likely to follow that sniff up with a gulp of it? Well, I Probably might, not. Well, I might dip I'm my guessing. finger in and then, you know, have a taste. Would you dip your finger in a glass of wine? Probably not. Well, we've just debunked that theory, folks. <laughs> yeah. It actually, you know what? It actually, I, I found wine really tastes good off of skin. I know that sounds oh, really? very Hannibal Steven, how, how, did, how did you figure this out? <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, you have a few nights, you get a little messy. But sometimes, actually, if just someone, confirming, if somebody just confirming, <laughs> sorry for the Hannibal reference here, folks. Uh, but um, if you think about skin, there's always a little oil and salt. Mm. on skin actually improves a lot of red wine a lot of times when someone gives you a bad pour it ends up on your hand you lick it off oh oh, it tastes really good that way all right people let's start doing shots of wine out of people's body shots of rioja (laughs) body shots of rioja (laughs) we should change the name of the show to beverage trendsetters (laughs) beverage trendsetters um, let's continue here with the, uh, winemaker's right. notes. These it are very, very, very intense. It's balanced with a soft touch of acidity. Balance with, you know, soft touch of acidity. To give it a good potential for cellaring. Okay. So uh, wine speak. And I think fair, cause you've got to assume Ex- that some of you explain you, this to me. Well, like, listen, I mean, this isn't wine for dummies here. This is a, a website. We're reading off a tasting note for people who are interested in wine. 
I actually like to know that. I like to know that the wine's got acidity to it. Every wine has acid, of course. We need to understand that. I mean, people are, you know, this isn't for consumers who are, you know, just getting into wine. This is for, you know, people who are interested. Snobs. <laughs> Arrows are being cast towards everybody in the room <laughs> and everybody out there. Um, I like to know that there's, you know, saying there's a soft touch of acidity, I mean, it should go without saying. I would say it would be more appropriate. We could shorten this and say the wine is cellar worthy. Hmm. But what would that mean? It means it can be aged successfully. What, what, what about a wine uh, tells you that it can be cellared? How much time have you got? Well, if you were going to give me the super quick. Yeah, you want a reasonable level of acidity. You want to have really, you know, kind of tannins that are alive, uh, healthy, aggressive. Tannins that are like really grabbing onto your mouth that are grippy, which apparently the tannins have still have. They say the sweet tannins still have a bit of grip. I'd say these tannins are pretty grippy. Like this, this wine is very together. It's youthful. It's vigorous. It's got a lot of life. What exactly is a tannin? I know that's a stupid question, but. you're gonna make me look bad here, but uh, let's go for it. So tannins, basically, you know, the compounds in a wine uh, that will attach themselves to protein and fat. Hmm. So if you actually are tasting a wine without any food in your mouth prior, and you spit a red wine, you'll have these long, kind of gross, booger-looking strands of red stuff. Those are tannins that have attached themselves to the fat and protein in your saliva and literally inside of your mouth. Oh, you're bang on, according to Wikipedia. Which is why wine pairs with food so well especially tannic wines pair well with fattier foods uh meat so it's really it's really a chemical reaction we're talking about between food and wine. yeah basically that's why you know if you if we put a hunk of meat in our mouth and then have a sip of this rioja those tannins now are diverted to the meat instead of your own mouth interesting which actually allows you know if you think about it will allow other flavor you know compounds in the wine to express themselves it will make the wine seem smoother. So it, literally, it, it's a lot like, you know, you mix, you mix yellow and blue, and you don't get a smear between yellow and blue. I mean, you, you do, but you get a totally new color. You Correct. Get green. Correct. You kind of get a smear. I mean, you still understand the the wine still tastes like itself. You know, it's not like it can't be enjoyed by itself. It can be. It's, it's kind of like saying that, all right, you mix yellow and blue, and the result is you get yellow, blue, and green. Yes, yes. That's very well said. Okay. Very well said. You know, so you it, have, it's like, it's like the yellow and the blue paints were spilled onto the ground, and they're inching towards each other, and they're going to meet. And in the middle, there'll be this green part, and on both sides, you still have yellow and blue. And, and you may enjoy... And yellow, yellow and blue represent, like, the, the wine and the meat. Yeah. And then... You may enjoy all three. Exactly. Their cross-section is... The meat's is good by itself. The wine's good by itself. And together, they're something unto either one. Something new. Something new. Yeah. So just... Both relatable. Better together. <laughs> Jack Johnson. Just for uh, precision's sake, mm-hmm. a tannin is an astringent polyphenolic bimolecule that binds... Binds to and precipitates proteins and various other organic compounds, including amino acids and alkaloids. Interesting. Very. It comes from tana, old high German word for oak or fir tree. That's interesting. As in tenenbaum. Huh. I love etymology. This is one thing that uh, everyone needs to know about the night. Tenenbaum. 
love etymology. Is Gene Hackman drinking this wine? <laughs> How about, I, wow. I looked wow. up the etymology. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Gwyneth I, Paltrow I looked, is smoking cigarettes some, in a bathroom somewhere right oh now. Oh, Lord. They probably had to pay her extra so she'd actually smoke a cigarette. Luke Wilson is wearing a, a striped Adidas tracksuit, a red one. I looked up the etymology of toilet this morning. You know, it actually means dressing table with a cloth. The water of the dressing table with a cloth. Eau de, eau de, eau de, eau de toilette. Oh, eau de toilette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a brandy on the mind. <laughs> yes. Okay, um, so all these tannins are coming from that French and American oak. No. What? Some of them are. Where else can? Where else did tannins come from then? The grape skins. You oh, done, yeah. Right? I, well, yeah. It's a... <laughs> The grape skins skins. Hmm. is the primary source of tannin in the wine. The tannin, there will be tannin that is, there will be a very, very, very small amount of tannin added from the oak aging, but it's negligible. I think I need a little more mountain scrub. Yes, I certainly had a nice little, I feel like I should, you know, mountain scrub should be accompanied by a yodeler. (laughs) Like Heidi. Are there Spanish yodelers? Hills, Let that sink in, The folks. hills of Rio are alive with yodelers. Just imagine, imagine if the sound yodeler. of music was set in Spain and in Spanish. I'm sh- there must be a Let Spanish Let that version. sink in. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, this, this, Goodness wa- gracious. this winemaker notes thing. This is tasty. This is <laughs> it's tasty. It's juicy. The note and... The wine. This is very, very delicious wine. Let's be up front here. Let's just it's fantastic. get it out there. It's, it's fantastic. fucking awesome. The only problem I have with this is is the description in some cases. Like this next sentence in this in this winemaker notes paragraph is the attack. Are you ready? <laughs> the attack is long. No, the attack is broad and long. Much like the Battle it, of come Hastings. Come on, <laughs> what is that meaning? We're being transported to 1066. <laughs> We're just Westeros. <laughs> Was it the Battle of West Hastings or East Hastings? <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're from God. Vancouver here, folks. A little, uh, little inside, little inside jiggle there. The attack um, is broad and long, with an evolution in the mouth which spreads silky and mineral sensations before concluding with sweet tannins, which still have a bit of grip, and the benefit. And will benefit from some time out for their full integration. <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. Benefit from some time out for their full integration. Like, this is a naughty wine that needs to be punished. Like what? Yeah, I mean the time out. Help, like, help me. Help. Is there a dunce cap help in the Chester room? Chester here, buddy. Like what does it? Yes, here's time here. out for their full potential. Is that referring to the cellaring potential? I have to assume. Yes. Or, I mean, or is it talking about like decanting it and letting it sit for 25 minutes before you start sucking on it? <laughs> I mean, well said. <laughs> I, I, it's really, I think it's a bit of both. Hmm. Generally, wines, you know, I mean, if you think about it, wines that could be aged further are the wines that need decanting. Hmm. Right? Well, essentially, when you decant something, you're, you're, you're doing two things. You're like r- three things, actually. You're speeding up the cellaring process just by oxidizing uh, it. Uh, I mean, of speeding course, speeding up the cellaring process is a little bit like that's the way that uh, decanter products have been marketed. 
It's like, oh, you add 10 years to the wine well, by no, swirling no, no. around this little there's, copper plate in the wine. Yeah, bullshit. Well, there's more nuance there. It's it's the same as like a, Much more nuance. a Thank slow you. Yes. fermentation versus a, like a long Correct. fermentation. You're oxidizing the wine. Are totally different things. Like a slower fermentation is, is generally usually regarded as a as producing something better as opposed to generally, a yes. fast fermentation. Yes. You might get the same alcohol content out of both, but... The way which that you one got provides there. more character, which is more becoming. Exactly. So yeah. you know, it's all absolutely, and that's, that's a very, it's a very astute point. Um, yeah, you're, you know, you're adding a lot of oxygen in a short amount of time, which will progress the wine, you know, to a different place than if you were allow it to slowly, slowly develop with a cork in it, in a cellar. Yeah, there's I, such just... a small amount of oxygen there that really integrates so minutely over time. You know, literally the cellaring process. I I still well like said. feel that. This, this sentence here, <laughs> the attack is long. Let's have it, the whole sentence. The attack is broad and long with an evolution in the mouth which spreads silky and mineral sensations before concluding with sweet tannins which still have a bit of grip and will benefit from some time out for their full potential or full integration. The word grip and the words time out are both in quotation marks. I don't think grip needs to be in quotation marks. I'm sorry, but like, why? This is already kind of ambiguous. And then you put quotations or quotation marks around it, and it actually becomes more ambiguous. Like, what are you actually talking about when you say I think grip out? is a really, really, really suitable word. I think grip is a very appropriate word to understand. If you think about grip, like what's grippy, I think it's a great way to describe tannins. It literally does. Literally. Of, it feels like it's gripping the inside it of your It feels mouth. like a rubber glove. And what do you do with a rubber glove on you? Grip something. <laughs> and it grips you. Wait, now I'm really curious. When have you had a rubber glove in your mouth? Last time I drank Nebbiolo. <laughs> that was too young. <laughs> Did you ever hear that Phoenix song, Too Young? It's a nice song. Oh, yeah. I like Phoenix. We should put that on. Let's do that afterwards. Phoenix, can we have the rights to your song? When the cameras are off. When the cameras are off. Um, oh yeah, but like, why does it have a? Why, why do we need quotation marks around grip? Like, we it's don't. A, it's a fine word. But I don't want to get too nitpicky. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you know my education. Like, this shit annoys me. Oh god, it's, this is the problem when you start a wine talk show with an English major. Um, now <laughs> right. let's carry on here. In the retro olfaction. Okay. The notes okay. Of oak, all right. All right. All right. All right. I mean, yeah. the notes of oak. Like they in revisiting mountain scrub. The they revisited the mountain retro scrub. olfaction. Re retro is like throwback. Roy Orbison. <laughs> retro olfaction. Bob Wills. What? Okay, I'm gonna Google this again. I'm sorry. Like, what are you talking about? Olfaction. Olfaction has to do with your. I can imagine this meaning several. Smell, I believe. Okay, Google's trying to. Google's trying to. Um, you retro olfaction. Retro me. olfaction actually fix broke me. Google. No, Google Google is recommending retro nasal olfaction. Which, there you go. Which seems even which old. Seems what did you say? Retro nasal old fashion. <laughs> That's <laughs> a retro old fashion. Isn't that kind of redundant? Retro nasal old fashion. Is that kind of like throwing up after? If you say a retro old fashions, isn't old fashioned by its definition retro? Yeah. Retro old fashion. That's fairly redundant. <laughs> retro nasal olfaction like what? we're having too much fun in the studio here okay. um okay listen. no there's a wikipedia article in a different language let's see here 
this page could not be translated. Oh, it's in French. Let's see. What the page that we're on can't be translated either. This tasting note cannot be translated. Oh, okay. I see what... Does Google have a function for translating this tasting note? <laughs> wow, there's a product right this there. This tasting note could not be translated. <laughs> I think that's the whole point that I'm going for. I think that's for. the point of the show. <laughs> okay, I, I've, I've, I've figured out what retro olfaction is from the, the, the French article. Um, so what, ref, yeah. ref, what this term apparently means in French, uh, because it's not recognized as an English term, even though it's used in, in English here, is uh, you can smell the wine, right, through your nose. And then retro olfaction is like when you have swallowed the wine and the smell of the wine is rising from you know, where the wine is sticking to like the inside of your throat and uh, your mouth. It's like a residual. It's, it's going up the other way to your, to your nasal passage, like where you, where you actually breathe through your nose. Mm -hmm. It's going in reverse. Like if you think of taking a deep breath through just your nose, there's right. a, there's a, an air pathway from your nostril up near your eyes and then back down into your That's lungs. That's why they say, you know, it's like when you swallow it, you open your mouth and breathe out, exhale, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing I'm tasting. Exactly. This so, is really, really traditional. So it's, so it's essentially saying like there's two ways to smell something. You can smell something from outside of your body, and then you can smell it from like inside your mouth. This is, episode has been brought to you by Hannibal weird. Lecter. Apparently. I mean, fine and dandy. Like, do we really want to be thinking about our esophagus when we're tasting this wine? Not yeah. really. Like, I mean, I know I have one. I know it's going down. I know it's coming up. Like... Thank you very much. <laughs> It'll come up later. Can we move? <laughs> After the wine is no longer right. balanced. All right. We've batted this around for content. Let's move right. on here to a In, critical acclaim. Wait, no, no, hold on. Hold on. No, no. Okay, I just want okay. to read the, the, All right. the last bit of the sentence. All right. In the retro olfaction, the notes of oak and mountain scrub. Oh, God. Okay. You know what? Screw it. I don't want to read the rest of this. I critical mean, acclaim. Just confirming. <laughs> Chester, you're sweating. Mountain scrub. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Oh God! You look like you, you look like you could use a little mountain scrub this afternoon. I'm gonna start a deodorant. Did you shower this morning? Of course. <laughs> I took a cold shower. I knew it was quick. You didn't go for a mountain scrub. <laughs> I'm gonna start a deodorant company called Mountain Scrub, and it's gonna be wine scented deodorant. Oh my God! It's gonna be real hot. Dude, if that, if that it's be... gonna be bodegas Mugarrio Reserva. No, there's gonna be all sorts deodorant. of varieties. You know, you can smell like cab from, you know, Southern well, California if you want. That doesn't work. What if it doesn't have the sense of mountain scrub? It's kind of like the opposite of um, the Smirnoff. Was it Smirnoff in the in like the Madman Madman world of advertising where it was like you lost me at Southern California. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> no, what was that? Never rains in southern. Which California. vodka was like? It, you'll never smell it, because it was like for that like three martini lunch for the that age. Was, um, that was the, that was the was that was the Smirnoff. That was actually the malt liquor they used for Mike's Hard Lemonade. But that's a whole other story. Do you know what I'm talking about though? Like in the the era of Mad Men, like the advert. You know the show. No. Oh, let me. Mad Men, that's like, that's like me and you. We no, make back in the fifties, there was there was an advertising campaign for vodka where can't smell it on your breath. Exactly, so you can drink it during lunch and get buzzed for the rest. Yeah, of Yeah, you work. know what it was called? What was it? Gin. <laughs> 
fail. Critical acclaim for Bodegas Muga Rioja Reserva 2013. Uh, James Suckling, 92 <laughs> points. This uh. is an excellent 2013 with such purity and finesse. Cherry, stone, and light cedar aromas follow through to a full body. Very fine tannins and a fresh and clean finish. Hints of cedar. It shows a focused energy. Oh, it's it's like a laser. I feel like I'm in a yoga class. It's like a it's like a lightsaber, according to James Suckling. James Suckling, ninety two points. Ninety two points. Oh. oh 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 oh! It got an A minus. Is that an A minus? No, that's an A plus. Oh no, I'm I'm from the states, so. What's it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> fail 80 is a fail. It, it was so nice moving to Canada and then going to school and be like, wow, I'm getting all A's now. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the congratulatory culture. Um, participation. No, no, okay. All right. Certificates. Steven, humor me. I'm humoring you. 92 points. James I've, Suckling. I've never seen like... A wine that has like 74 points. I. Like, where are the 74 point wines? I would like to know the same thing. I was, you know, when I was in grade 12, I had to take a biology 11 class yeah. just to fulfill the science requirements <laughs> to graduate of and course. get into university, which I did. <laughs> and I graduated, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> Regardless, I received a grade of. 74%. Did you really? In biology 11. While I was in grade 12, I had a riot in the class. It was great. Bio 11. And I was really, really happy about that. Like 74%. That's three out of four. You're passing. Three out of four. <laughs> three out of four. That's like almost as good as two out of three. <laughs> Wait. Wait, let me ask you a question. How'd you do in your math classes? Meatloaf. <laughs> two out of three, bad. <laughs> No, but seriously, like, you know, in a, like, for example, well, I was just going to bring up organic chemistry. <laughs> I shouldn't. I didn't take like, that. Like, some things you just want to pass, and that's fantastic. So what, what is going on with this point system? First of all. It, it seems like a, it just seems like a really, really, like, almost <laughs> insultingly dumb marketing ploy. Like, who is, I'm sorry, who is James Suckling? Well, James Suckling's a wine critic. Okay, sure. He must be. He's criticizing some wine here. Giving them... Do you think he gets paid to put 92 next to that wine? Well, this is the big debate about points. I mean, you know, Robert Parker, who invented, you know... Can he kind of... Robert Parker kind of coined the point system as we know it. You know, has insisted that he's never been compensated to review a wine, even though he... he should go into politics. He really should. (laughs) Actually, he really should. He'd be so good. No, you think about how much, like, lobbying and money, like, dirty money just gets thrown into i don't want to talk about no one ever wants to talk about politics well speak for yourself (laughs) no but seriously like you know we have important matters with regards to the way that our society functions and the way that we treat each other as a species is is totally polluted by you know hands getting greased with money yeah how is this there's no way that it can't be happening with wine. Like I always see ninety. Oh, it's happening. I always see ninety-two points. I always see ninety-one points. Like this is this is not an honest system at all, and it and therefore it literally just does not mean anything. Well, it totally it's totally it's a complete failure from the beginning. Yeah. If you look at Robert Parker, let's prove this for a second. People okay. don't pay attention to this points bullshit. Do you think that's fair to say? 
No, no, seriously. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? People do not pay attention to this wine points bullshit. We're saying wine points are bullshit. Is that the point? That's my point. Uh, yeah, I would completely and utterly agree. I mean, my, my, my pers- to put it simply, my personal goal with regards to having microphones in front of us and, and talking and, and actually having a, an archive of it is like, I've, you know, I've, I've been in around this industry for a while and it has just perpetually kind of infuriated me because it's like, in order to actually know what you're doing, you have to wade through an awful phenomenal amount of bullshit yes you do there is there is no like shi- clear shining light to you know sort of show there's no the beacon of hope Steven, in the wine world Stephen, save us save us Steven. the wine world is still looking for its messiah <laughs> you won't find it here <laughs> no definitely not she's not here yet definitely not she's honestly here. look you know we just want to take a little bit more of a like a but a I mean, conversational scientific let's, approach to this. Let's like, let's let's focus here for a moment. Let's talk about points. And we're saying our points bullshit. Well, well, the answer is yes, and here's why. Okay, let's break it down. First of all, Bio Eleven, my Biology Eleven course I took in grade twelve mm-hmm. to satisfy a science requirement. Seventy four percent. Seventy four points. Really happy with that. A lot of people are really happy with seventy four percent. Seventy four percent. Three out of four. If you do three out of four in a lot of areas of your life, you're laughing. You're in great shape. So let's just put that in the back of our mind. Think about 75, 74%. Well, yeah, there's no, th- think about you, if you, there's no if, wines with three out of four. It's not a thing. But three out of four is still really, really good in most areas of other things. Let's just, let's just, yeah. let's if accept you were, that. If you were scoring a three out of four on your like nutrition, you're doing a hell of a lot better than most nations. Exactly. So let's, let's keep going here. Humor me here, Chester. Um, now, Robert Parker, of course, the uh, grandfather, the godfather of the point system, the 100-point rating system, mm-hmm. Robert Parker, um, by, a, by several country miles, you know, the leader in the clubhouse, you know, really the guy who made this popular, made this I mean, famous. He was just first, right? Yeah, whatever. And you know what? The, the, quite honestly, I Which is fine. I don't dislike Robert Parker. I, I think he's I think he's cool. I think he's a he's a cool dude. I'd I'd love to hang out with him. I think he's interesting. I think he'd be a good time. Hey, Robert Parker, you want to come on our show? Robert Parker, you're welcome here anytime. Sunny White Rock, British Columbia, coming to you um, now. But let's look at Robert Parker. Does a thing. Let's pull one up here just for. He has these wonderful vintage charts. Robert Parker. Vintage charts, 2018. Let's look at 2018. Okay. Um, do, you read, do you read the wine app now. advocate? Well, that's Robert Parker. Yeah, exactly. Let's look at Robert Parker vintage charts. Uh, what has he got? Vintage chart, Robert Parker wine advocate. Here we go. Parker's 100-point rating system. One of the most influential and controversial features of Parker's wine criticism is his 100-point rating system, which he popular, <laughs> which he popularized in conjunction with his friend... Victor Morganroth. Ooh, okay. I like that name. Now, Morganroth. Let's look at the vintage chart here. So we've got. Okay, let's just let's just start for the sake of argument. We've got France. So he's got Alsace. Several. He's got Bordeaux, Saint Julien, 
Puyak, Senestef, Margot, Grav, Pesacleon. He's got Bordeaux separated appropriately where it should be. Um, Burgundy, you know, Champagne, Beaujolais, Jura, Languedoc. All these, he's got okay, all okay, these parts yeah, of France. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're getting the point here. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, he's got a system. Rating ranges uh, a yellow square, 96 to 100. We're calling it extraordinary. 96 to 100? Extraordinary. Uh, then we've got, I think, is it, is it orange, looks like here? It's like an orange square. Yeah, that's outstanding. 90 to 95. 90 to 95. We've got red, above average to excellent. And then we've got the burgundy square, which is average. That is 70 to 79. And then we've got 60 to 69, which is below average. And then we've got black, which is below 59, which is appalling. Appalling. <laughs> That's an interesting word. I want it? an appalling wine. Can we can we drink in an appalling wine? Well, first of all, let's look at the chart here. Um, there is one one appalling square, one. That is uh, that is the vintage of two thousand and two, in the Rhone Valley Chateauneuf du Pape. Okay, one appalling square that shows up here immediately. We're talking from, we're talking from you know two thousand to two thousand fifteen. So fifteen year period here. Um, how many squares are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Nineteen by fifteen. What is that? How much is that? Nineteen times fifteen. Math major. Hey, help. It's not a math major. Whatever you are. <laughs> <laughs> what is nineteen times fifteen? Uh, it is. Think here for a second. Two somewhere around two eighty. Two eighty. Two eighty five. I think. Two eighty five. Okay. Let's let's just go with Let that. Let me just double check that. Well, keep. just keep keep talking. I'm just curious. Okay. Let's just find out. When I say jump, you say, "Fuck you." Oh, it is two eighty five. Two eighty five. Yeah, you um, heard it here first, folks. Wait, <laughs> Nineteen times fifteen <laughs> is two hundred and eighty five. Now, two hundred eighty five squares in this vintage chart. We've got nineteen regions and fifteen vintages. So you'd think the majority of these vintages should be average. Why? Because average should be the dominant but if it's like a rating, no. If it's like a an honest sample set, yes. Is what you're saying, average should be the, the majority, no. Yeah, so most of these should fall between like forty and seventy. Uh, no, well, according to him, average is seventy to seventy-nine. What? Oh, that sounds like. So the funny thing is, it's really what it is. It's actually it's actually a fifty-point scale. It's not. Well, no, no, that 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 actually makes a lot of sense here because I, I read a little more here. Okay, and talk he to me. Says, Let's talk about it. There's some interesting stuff in this little Good. article. Good. Talk Par- to me. Parker designed the system to counter what he believed to be confusing or inflated ratings by other wine writers. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting. It's a fascinating motive. <laughs> that is Robert a fascinating Parker. motive. Yes, it is. Many of whom he accused of a conflict of interest as they often had a financial interest in the wines they rated. Hmm. This is why he's respected. <sighs> okay. Politics, maybe. Politics. Okay, sure. Let's just. Let's okay, just accept- I'm just going to continue. I'm not going to make any assumptions. Perfect. The scale now widely imitated in other publications ranks wine on a scale from 50 to 100 points based upon the wine's color and appearance, aroma and bouquet, flavor and finish, and overall quality level or potential. 
Therefore, 51 rather than 100 different ratings is possible. Although some critics, such as... Oh, I've never seen this name. Jancis? Jancis Robinson. Jancis Robinson. Yeah, dude, she's argue, big time. Yeah? She's the best. That's a really interestingly spelled name. Anyways, uh, argue scoring systems are widely used by American reviewers. Many British reviewers uh, still prefer a 20-point 20 20 point system. system. This is, but the, he, he's quoted here, which is interesting. He says, scores, however, do not reveal the important facts about a wine. The written commentary that accompanies the ratings is a better source of information regarding the wine's style and personality. Yeah. Its relative quality via its peers and its value and aging potential than any score could ever indicate. That's, that, that's, a, that's a good intention right there. Yes, it is. But it's fucking useless. It doesn't well, like, like, it's like, not it's not useless if you actually have a well written card that tells you what you're drinking and excludes bullshit like mountain scrub and I'm pretty sure we just batted that around to faction. fucking no end know, and I it know. doesn't you know so that's the point here so let's let I'm I'm gonna get mad here okay anyway let's fucking look at this all right so we still agree regardless of the point scale fifty to one hundred okay right. 51. There should be a lot of wines that are in like the 75 category. Okay, so out of 285, was that number? 285? Yeah. Yep. Out of 285, the most of those should be average. Is that correct? Yeah. Would you agree? There should be quite a few 75, quite a few 74s. <laughs> Bio 11, Biology 11. You following me, folks? All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those are the first nine digits of our numeric system. You heard it here first. <laughs> what, what are you counting? The number of average vintages out of 285 Nine? vintages. What? Yes. Let me see this. Just sit there. Just trust me on this one, okay? Yeah. Chester is looking at my bit of paper. He's cheating <laughs> on his exam. The nice thing is we award cheaters. <laughs> oh, ouch. Oh, we're just oh, joking. That was bad. It's kind of true. Perfect. We can edit that. Well, the, the world actually does, you know, unfortunately, uh, reward... Reward those who are a little loosey-goosey with I don't the know. Are they cheaters or are they just smart enough to cheat? Let's focus here. <laughs> now, um, I mean, rules are made to be broken. So anyway, carry on. Um, are we opening another bottle of this, by the way? I think we definitely are. We might have to. We definitely are. This is a fantastic let, wine. Let me open it. You keep going on whatever your point is. You want to try opening wine? Oh, don't even start. <laughs> Chester's going to open the wine. What point are you trying to make? The main point here is that this was good enough to open a second one. It, it feels quite Tarbender Chester is already butchering the foil, as expected. I'm sorry? Nah, there's a little crinkle, Chris Kringle over there. He can see spotted it. It's okay. He's aware. Oh, what, oh, what is he doing now? He's taking. No, don't take it off. No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's not a fez. <laughs> no, seriously, what's your point? We're we got to stay focused here. Jeez. Oh, Christ. This is why this is not going to work. This is kind of fun. Well, for us. We need to hire an editor. <laughs> oh, God. You're just... He's, look at him. He's chucking it around. He's turning it upside down. If there's any sediment, we're fucked. We got to... We gotta, like, I knew it. I knew it. Folks, average wines, go. Open your own wines. Let me smell the cork. No, give your point. Nine out of 285 wines 
in this little sample section of Robert Parker's vintage chart are considered smells average. So good. It smells like a wood shop. Nine out of 285 are average. You want to know what average is, guys? Average. Average is actually above average to excellent or outstanding. That's his average. Robert Parker, can you define what the word average means, please? Let's look at, let's, you know what, let's do a little work of our own here. Average. <laughs> Google talk Dictionary. Average. Average. A number expressing the central or typical value in a set of data. In particular, the mode, median, or most commonly, the mean, which is calculated by dividing the sum of the values in the set by their number. Example, the housing prices there are twice the national average. Stephen didn't do very well in math. No, I did not. Not for actually, it was for lack so, of trying. It was for lack of trying. So Robert Parker's use of the word "average" is. Can I smell that cork, please? Yeah, of course. It smells delicious. It's like a wood shop. Oh, isn't it ever good? I'll have some. It's like that, Windsor please. plywood, right there. Windsor plywood. <laughs> I actually, I knew like I knew some guys who used to own a couple of Windsor plywoods. Oh, and you're splattering shit everywhere. Oh, I like I like a little aeration. That's good. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chester. My pleasure. He's going for the. Okay, I think we've sh we've shit on the. But my point is here. Listen, if, if that doesn't debunk the point system, what the hell does? I mean, how is that even nine? You're saying nine out of two hundred eighty-five is average. I'm no, sorry. That's an outlier. Those are outliers. That's the definition the, of an outlier. Average is the outlier. In if Robert nine Parker's world. out of two hundred and eighty-five are like of a certain group, then that group is an outlier. They Maybe. are. They are not in the bell. Okay. Two thousand two yeah, really can we put, sucked. Can we put away all information about wine rating system and this wine and just talk about like what is in this glass? Yeah, we can. So, we got another bottle of Muga Rioja Reserva, 2013. Oh, God, it's so good. It is really so good. But what does that mean when we're saying it's so good? Like, what is going on? It means it's fucking 92 points, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> fail! Steven, you fail. No. Um, we, we do fail, but... Um, okay, you know, I want to say... Okay, listen. I want to say a few corny things, like, this feels a little it. chewy. Uh... The tannins probably make it feel chewy, and probably the extraction level, like how much color is in it, like how much color was actually extracted from the it's, skins. It's deep. It's it's super rich in terms of color. It is. It is pretty rich. You know, it's like it's black in the center. It is. It's it's deep. And it's black almost all the way to the edges, and then you get just a little bit of garnet at you know the where, I, yeah where, like the meniscus like sort of uh, creeps up the edge of the gra glass. And I think this nice, is quite modern. Like ruby ring around the, the top of the wine. And then, it, and then when you, you swirl it in your glass, like... It has this old world, you know, ruby dominant color, which is very nice. There's no, you know, Tempranillo produces that. It's, there's no hints of purple or blue, which doesn't... Is, you know, I'm saying that like they're four-letter words. But, um, you know, I mean, let's say Shiraz from the Barossa Valley produces a very kind of, you know, inky, you know, blackish, purplish, you know, bluish style of wine, uh, color-wise. You know, Malbec, very purple, mm -hmm. very violet-colored. This is, um, this, this reminds me of, 
of a lot of Malbecs that I've had. Is that a disastrous thing to say? Like this. In gives- short, yes. Oh, fine. Yeah, no, fucking Malbec can't touch this. This is MC Hammer. <laughs> so when you you wave this around in your Fuck glass, it's, it's like a garnet wave with like with like threads of black just. Threads of black striped is striped right over it. I think that's a very, um, you know, nice way of putting it. It's got this kind of blackish garnet, dark ruby color. Um, modern, like imagine, good extraction. If imagine, you, uh, you know, like a tiger, but instead of orange, it's like a garnet red. And then you've got those black stripes that are just going right over it. This is That's what it reminds me of when I... More of a dark ruby. Yeah, yeah. Dark ruby. Um, but in terms flex, of... Flex of garnet. Garnet of flex. Taste, Garnet Flex, yeah. Um, nice rich color here, folks. Is what I just want to hold like an a, honest, honest, honest color. You know, there's no hints of what any does kind that of. What mean, honest color? That's a great question. What would be a dishonest color? Um, color that's doctored using things like Mega Purple or color additives. Can you see that? Yeah. You, can? you ever drink Apothic? You ever drink Apothic Dark? I, I don't ever remember the fourth bottle of wine that's open, so probably. Perfect. <laughs> Listen, folks, if you ever drink Apothic, you want to understand what dishonest color looks like, go check it out. It's because there's additives? I guess it's not dishonest. You know, they're not really saying they're... they're not, are they hiding the fact that they're adding things to it? They're not hiding it, but they're not revealing it. Yeah, That's actually a really interesting um, point that I've... I've I've wondered a little bit about, and I wanted to hear you riff on it. Mm. Um, Talk to me, Goose. If you if you pick up like you walk into a wine store, mm-hmm. and you're looking for a bottle of wine, unfortunately, it's a little bit like the old days in Blockbuster when you'd go looking for a movie. You are judging by the title. You're judging you know, a book by its cover, exactly. Baby. And and we're kind of forced to do that. Because we are. We don't. We have time constraints. Which is why we're here. And so I look at this bottle of uh, Rioja, and it's, an, it's a clean white label. It looks a little tea-stained. In the top left, it says Product of Spain. In the middle, it says 2013. Mm-hmm. It says Reserva. It says Muga, Rioja. It says something in Spanish that I'm not going to even try. It gives you the alcohol percentage. It's fairly, it's fairly minimalistic. With regards to like an old school looking wine label. This is actually a beautiful label for a number of reasons. Because every single thing on this label is provides information. It's purposeful. Has a purpose. Whereas exactly. like if you pick up a bottle, I don't even know what Apothic looks like. Um, but like for example, let's see. I want to see what this looks like. Apothic, wine, red, Google Images. Thank you people at Google. Okay. Okay, this is a perfect example of what the hell is going on. I mean, before you do this, if I may, if I may, let's look at what this label tells us. Muga, name of the family who owns the winery, mm-hmm. who runs the winery, and the name of the winery itself. Very simply named after the name of the people who own and operate it. What a concept, right? This this reminds me of like Muga. when you're proud of something, you're not afraid your to name put on your it. name on That's it. That's right. right. Boom. Okay, done. Moving forward. Now, uh, Rioja, where it's from. Denominación de origen calificada. Okay. okay. He's going to try that. I'm not. That is the, um, you know, kind of official classification of the wine, saying it meets the qualifications to be uh, 
regarded as a Rioja. Regarded from this as era. a Rioja from this area. Regarded as a wine from this area. Okay. So all the grapes come from Rioja. They're made in a style that is representative and decided upon as being traditional enough for Rioja. We call it Rioja. We get an idea of what it tastes like. It's like saying, um, you know, no, you don't get an idea if, of what it tastes like unless you you're familiar with that area. It's like saying prosciutto di Parma or balsamic vinegar of Modena. Okay. okay. Things that we know, right? Uh, like or Southern BBQ. Mozzarella di Bufala. Southern barbecue. Exactly. Okay. Well, so, th- that's a controversial statement, actually. You guys should sure. refer to Michael Pollan on that. Bat that around, <laughs> but you get the idea, right? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so It's like maple syrup from Canada. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Good enough. Muga. Name of the family. Rioja. Where it's from. Indication of style. Uh, Reserva. That tells us facts. That says it was aged in oak for at least one year. Aged... For a total of three years at least before it left the winery. Mm-hmm. Okay, information. Uh, red wine. It's red wine. Great. 40% alcohol. Sometimes um, you need the obvious. <laughs> sometimes you do, baby. You need the obvious. Uh, product of Spain, we already know that. Uh, 2013, the year the grapes were grown. Um, 750 milliliters. That's how much wine is in the bottle. That's how much gas is in the car. Um, <laughs> embotellado en la propia. Piedad, Wait, no, you skipped, Aro, España. You skipped Bodega Muga. I'm they get, put their I'm name on this it. twice. They put their name on this you twice. You know you're proud of something when you put your name on it twice. That's right. We got a little Rioja stamp. Um, and there's a picture of the winery. And, you know, they chose a nice font for the Muga for their own name. Like, it looks great. Wait, and it says right. Desde 1932. I have, to, I have to cut in here. They got the, you know, so it's, it's all relevant I, information. I have to cut in here. Go ahead. You look at a bottle of Apothic. And it's like some weird, it's like a, a rectangle of some kind of evil Celtic knot with an A kind of emerging from this red Celtic knot. And then below that, it says Apothic Red, Winemaker's Blend, California. So what do we know about the wine? This, this, is, a, this is a brand right here. Correct. We don't, all we know is where it's from and that there's some anonymous winemaker who thinks who blended some stuff together and this is their idea of correct and if you look closely it probably says the volume of the alcohol volume it probably says red wine but like you know the margin i feel like someone is hiding behind this 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 kind of wannabe artistic branding you know what it tells you as well i mean it tells you that the focus of the winery was Actually, the actual investments made in producing the wine were... Now, listen. Let's back up. Somebody had to choose, you know, what color of, you know, off-white to make the Muga label. Somebody had to choose to put gold foil on it. Somebody had to choose the font. Somebody had to make it all together. But it also has information. When you look at a label like Apothic, you see immediately the focus was on branding, design, and marketing. Apothic the Over word. Over information. Apothic as a word doesn't actually even mean anything. Which I, is fine. I, I think it's supposed to be reminiscent of apothecary. So it's it's kind of trying to remind you of like a like an old school chemist who does things using their natural senses by putting things together and smelling and tasting Very them and trying to figure out what what's going on. But I've apothic, never researched that. But it also has like it sounds kind of. Like a sinister, like apothic, like like gothic. 
You know, it's it's a combination of apothecary and gothic. You get apothic, so it's like, you know, you're being bad if you get this kind. Like it's trying to, it's trying to hijack the human psychology in in ways that have nothing to do with drinking and enjoying wine. That's their style to jerk you around. At first, they're all feel, then they cool down. (laughs) Almost apothic. And I like it that way. <laughs> no, you don't. You no, I don't actually. So let me ask you: um, if something is thanks, clear- Walter and Donald. Oh, God bless. God bless. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Steely Walt. Carry on. All right, hold on. I just I had to get some gas in the car. <laughs> is there gas in the car? <laughs> there is now. There, yes, there's <laughs> gas in the car. Is there wine in the fridge? <laughs> yes, there's wine. All right. So if something is very clearly branded Mm -hmm. and they're going for they're not going for information they're going for some kind of well i think that says it all you know what what is it saying to bring the point full circle is like is a label that you're looking at when you go shopping for wine are they going for the presentation of a brand or an idea or a lifestyle dare i say or are they trying to present you information you know, we've looked at this Muga label and, you know, we feel really good about it because not only have we tasted the wine and experienced it, we're fortunate enough to have been able to be open-minded enough to just pick up a bottle that we're curious about, try it, drink it, put it to the test. Several times. Put it to work several times, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> but also, you know, we can look at the label and say, hey, they're telling us a lot. They're being very honest on They're the being label, quite forthcoming sure. about what they're up to, what they're doing. And their values are presented by what they present to us on the label. Is it, is it fair to say that maybe a good guideline is like if someone's willing to show their cards and be totally honest about it, there's a fair chance that sure. there's an essence of quality there. That is how I look at it personally. It's not an ironclad rule, though. For it's example, not, there's, there are like, no ironclad rules in wine, unfortunately. Or fortunately. Both. That's what makes this exactly. That's what makes exactly. this such a ripe subject. Ha ha. <laughs> Man, I wonder if Daniel Kahneman would would ever consider talking about wine. <laughs> he wrote thinking uh, thinking fast and slow. He's a he's a cognitive um, psychologist. Daniel who? Daniel Kahneman. Oh, Daniel Kahneman. He's a psychologist. He won the Pulitzer. He wrote thinking fast and slow. A Pulitzer? Did he, maybe run. I don't know. Well, the, the whole point is like. <laughs> Ooh. The whole point is like when we're making fast decisions and fast judgments, they're usually really bad. And I thought they were usually really good. We, I, uh-huh. think, I, think, I think we have to limit the talk show to one bottle. <laughs> But like no no the the branded wines are trying to take control of us through kind of devious means in my my opinion. I would agree with that. Now Stoneboat's trying to get like the best of both worlds. They're producing a good wine. Yeah. And they're they're trying to use that commercialized yeah to get it out there strategy to get it out there. Totally. And, you know to appeal to drinkers. Stone we, we need that's, more. That's that's forgivable. We need more Stoneboats in the world because we we have to recognize the fact that. You know, we grew up in a Pepsi Cola world, a Coca Cola 
Absolutely. world. So we're used to brands. People respond to brands. People respond to stimuli. Well, it's a fast way of thinking. Like you know, people respond to movies. We grew up in Hollywood. We didn't grow up in the Romantic era. You know, we didn't grow up with Shakespeare. We grew up with Michael Bay. Ugh. Right. So you know, <laughs> if we can put Shakespeare in the bottle, but sell it as Michael Bay. That's exactly the, right, but, but but how do you but trust the, problem the is person? That, how do you trust that? How do you understand that? Ex- we know we have inside information. We're inside. We, we're inside traders. We should be fucking sued. We should be. We should be brought down for insider wine trading. That's a great idea. I mean, sure, yeah. Does someone want to sue us? <laughs> insider wine trading. Insider wine trading. That should be the name of the show. Insider wine trading. Hmm. That'll be the next show we do. Um, but, okay, but, so but we're, we're at point. We're, it's very interesting. We're it's at a, like a crucial point in like trying to define what is wrong with the wine world. You're because bottling Shakespeare, selling Michael Bay, or vice versa. You're bottling Michael Bay. You're advertising you're Michael to Bay, sell Shakespeare. But you can't. You cannot just. You can't just advertise Shakespeare. You can't. You imagine have to be living it. Imagine if you cut persona. So we're talking Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> Ingmar Bergman. It's a film. <laughs> if you don't know, this is an amazing film. It's a long film, but it's it's maybe the only film that finished, and I didn't realize I was still sitting in the theater until an hour after it was done. This is a class, so I you know, there was no there was no like popcorn picker upper to kick me out. It was it's, Persona, nineteen sixty six, Ingmar Bergman, starring Bibi Anderson and Liv Ullman. Right, here here's the point about that. Highly recommended. If he, if you took Persona and you cut a trailer out of it that made it look like a Michael Bay film, would more people try to watch it? Yes, they would. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Which is unfortunate. But, the, the, you know, we have limited time as humans, unfortunately. We have, currently, we have limited lifespans. And so there's only a certain amount of time that we can devote to things. Whether, you know, whether it be like learning, everyone wants to learn more about wine. Like who wouldn't want to be more knowledgeable about wine? Who wouldn't? And it's like, it's like anything else that you're going to learn. You have to expose yourself to a lot of the context before you can, before like an innate knowledge, innate's a terrible word. Before, a, like a, a healthy knowledge of the subject, like a working knowledge Resides of the subject, you, starts knowledge. to like yes. emerge from your exposure to that context. And it's also like before you can, like you know, before you're ready to, like you know, kind of handle a situation on your own and make an educated decision. Before yeah. someone can show you two bottles, and you can say, based on the information that I know, based on my experience, I'm confident enough to say, I feel safer going with this wine because X, Y, Z. Exactly. I, I, safer for I what and, and safer for what reason, right? I mean, even you have the knowledge to do that. Safer for the reason that I think this wine is made more honestly in a much cleaner, healthier fashion than but, say the other wine. But then it it also takes, you know, a bit of context building to to even know if you like that. There's also a lot of there's also so much snobbery that surrounds wine. They try to turn it into like the secret society where like. The only way that you can enter it is if you talk the bullshit and have drank a lot of wine so that you know what bullshit accords to what bullshit. Totally. And it's like, you know what? You can wa- uh, Someone who's never tasted wine, but who's mindful about what they're experiencing, 
Think about that for a second. That's the person I want to listen to. Exactly. So, like, it, it's kind of like when, you know, I used to be an art teacher for little kids, and and sometimes a kid will will just say something that's so clean and so honest and so fucking to the point. You're like, damn. The only way you can do that is if you're not clouded with bullshit. Well, absolutely. Which comes with be, be, becoming an adult. I enjoy that about... I like to listen to non-wine drinkers taste wine and try and describe it because they're not aware of the buzzwords. Exactly. and But they also have to be comfortable. Like, if you if you were going to sit down with... That's my job, is to make them comfortable. Well, if, if you sit down with someone and you're like, oh, I'm a sommelier, they're suddenly going to get self-conscious about their own lack of experience with regards to Depending wine. Depending on who they are. Sure. Uh, like totally granted the answer I'm, is always it depends i'm right? saying i'm saying like most people are probably going to get a little self-conscious and that, like not talk whereas like if you sit down with the same sort of person you're like and you lie to them mm-hmm. with good intention to be like oh this is my first time tasting wine too they're going to be a lot more open and potentially like that little kid who's going to say something brilliant because they're not they're not polluted with all these preconceptions about what you should say when you're tasting wine. Right. I mean, I find that information very valuable, not necessarily because it maybe and and listen, we have to also sidetrack for a moment and understand that the language that has been developed around describing wine is also there for a reason, and we should not discount it for the mere fact well, of discounting it. I don't know if I agree with that. Okay, fair enough. That's fine, but let's Cuz things can arise for bad reasons. That's true, but let's let's go with a lot of it as the let's let's I mean, I think we batted it around earlier enough, right? And we'll do it again. Oh, and again yeah. and again and again this and again. This is a and again. piñata that will never come this down for pin- me. <laughs> <laughs> right? But that being said, infinite game of candy spilling out of its belly. That's right. <laughs> poor horse. Little goat. Oh, I thought it was a donkey. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> it's definitely an <laughs> assful. <laughs> uh, where the hell was I? All right, you were saying. I was saying um, that the the wine terminology exists for a reason. Well, and I that, sort of disagree. Sure. With that. It, it, well, part of it exists for a reason. And I mean, everything exists for a reason. Well, I'm not it's, saying it's, it's the right reason. It's not necessarily good reason. It's not necessarily the right reason. But what I was saying was that the reason I find it very valuable to listen to someone who is not a wine drinker describe a wine is because you start to look at the root, the root of why this language was invented, and not only why, but how it was invented. What is the reason in the first place? How did this person describe it? What you end up understanding, more so than the wine, you start to understand people. We aren't actually understanding the wine much more. What we are understanding is people. Reading a tasting note tells you more about the person who wrote it than it tells you about the wine itself. Absolutely. And okay, you can me, quote me on can that. Can I piggyback on that? Please do. I think the reason why we have these shitty buzzwords that don't make any bloody, like, I'm sorry, mountain scrub, like, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> You the re- scrubber. <laughs> <laughs> you can scrub all the mountains you want. I don't want no scrub. Scrub is a guy that can get no love from me. Hanging on the passenger side of his best friend's ride. Trying to holler at me. That's like a bad wine label right there. 
hanging out of the passenger side. We should start a wine label called No Scrubs. <laughs> or just call it Scrub. Or just call it Scrubs. Scrub. <laughs> it goes both ways. We're we talking about TLC or Zach Braff. Which one? <laughs> Right, so we could make it in New Jersey. Oh shit! I had a, ah, I had a fairly good no. feeling point. What was it? Ah, wasn't that funny? Oh man, you gotta love how wine affects the hippocampus. I just said something brilliant. You did. What was it? I said that reading a tasting note about a wine. Oh, it tells you more about tells the you more about the person who the wrote wine. it than it does about the wine this, itself. Okay, this is this is my point where you get a wine tasting, and you don't get. You do not get an honest, like, appreciation or experience of the wine. What you get is a bunch of egos trying to one-up each other. And that is not fun. That is it's a also an insult serious, to the wine. serious point of contention. Jesus, fuck. That is good. That's good. Is it that's, not true? That's why it's good. Every tasting. It's just like, oh, who can say, like, the most, like interesting or profound sounding thing about this wine that is ac- like accurate enough that anyone you know everyone can like pick up on and be like oh yeah i guess they're right very well said which is like Chester. you're not actually talking about an honest experience of the wine you're talking about someone's linguistic and social ability to interact with a group of people this at that point, it almost has nothing to do with the wine. You need to be, you, you certainly need to be able to like access your own experience in an honest way to be able to say something that like that you can turn into something profound sounding or something like that. But it totally alienates the person who's at the table who has a really honest appreciation and experience for the wine, but just can't verbalize it in a pompous, you know exorbitant way I mean, let's, let's not jump to conclusions about pompous pomposity but i am jump i'm not that's not a con that's a conclusion and i am i'm solid footed on it. conclusion he says i've been enough wine tastings where it's like i'm sorry like i am sick of having a nice little experience with this wine and having to do, you know deal with this pompous prick who's talking about it in a way that's Kind of alienating. I stopped talking about wines at tastings. When I was pouring at tastings, I stopped talking about them. What, I, what, do, you, what do you mean by At that? first, I would really vomit information. Eventually, I just started pouring the wine and smiling. I, I think that's a brilliant idea. But you because, know, I, I realized, you know, and I waited, I waited. I waited for, I tried to read the person. Because I, I re, you realize that, now, like, thank you, Bodegas Muga. You know, for yeah, showing a little you. bit of honesty. Absolutely. And, and we really want no, to no, say... No, no, not just honesty, but like, you've produced a fantastic wine. It's a great wine. You know, for $30, it's $30, dollars twenty eight ninety nine this month. This is the month... In BC. In BC, people. May, that is May the 14th today, or is it the 15th? British Columbia has a thing with its liquor and wine. British Columbia, like White Rock... Expensive. A suburb of Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, something's wrong with me. Um, You're drunk. That's what's wrong. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Was, you know what? Uh, actually, now that we've been tasting this Rioja for a mm-hmm. little while, I have something very important to say about the it. The retro olfactory mm-hmm. guilt setting in. No, it, it's um, it doesn't feel as balanced anymore. To be perfectly honest, that's because you're fucking on your side. <laughs> 
because you're on the floor, Chester. Let's look at things for quickly. Uh, what do we want to send? What kind of what message do we want to send to uh, the maker of this wine, to Muga? I, you know what? The, the first thing that popped into my mind. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Bodegas Muga. We say thank you. Yes. You, you've you've provided us with an absolutely lovely experience, and it makes me wonder about. You know, some kind of sappy stuff, to be honest. Like, you know, what what is the weather in Rioja like right now? Or what was the weather like when these grapes were grown? Like, the sun feel good? One of the reasons I, I think okay, 2013... That's super, super sappy. But, like, to be honest, fine. like, you know, who handled these grapes? Well, you know, 2013 was difficult vintage, you know, so to speak. And one of the reasons this is so good, potentially, is because even though it was maybe subpar... Um, a subpar vintage weather-wise. Uh, a lot of the best vineyards, best plots, best blocks went into this wine. Hmm. You know, and and Mugo was happy to sell it in BC for thirty bucks as opposed to fifty or sixty, um, which is nice. I mean, you know, rather than like say, I mean, that, wouldn't that sends a message? That sends a message. It sends a message. Like, and you we know really what? want people to like enjoy this, and we really want our We're, fifty or sixty dollar wine to deliver to that level rather than say let's rely on our label and our branding and our marketing team exactly. to sell a wine that isn't really worth 50 or 60 dollars you know i have to bring up my conversation with the the um stoneboat owner of stoneboat again because you know he was he was talking about with uh with his family they were like are we even having fun anymore because the problems surrounding wine are getting so obnoxious and so sort of nitpicky it's like a race to the bottom in terms of trying to sell the wine and it's not it doesn't make it fun when you introduce so much artificial snobbery well i guess all snobbery is artificial but like to to compare and juxtapose that to muga here this rioja it's like they are clearly having fun doing what they're doing they're produ- so? Tell, go further on that, please. They're, they're producing something that is absolutely lovely. Their label is, you know, traditional. And fortunately, because it's traditional, it's also honest in that way. They don't feel the need to make some kind of brand around it. And as, as you, co- you, know, you mentioned with regards to the price, they're clearly more interested in people actually drinking and enjoying the wine than making a profit. Anyone who could make more profit but doesn't care to is clearly having fun with what they're doing. And so my overwhelming conclusion with this wine is thank you. And thank you for like having fun doing what you're doing because it's, it's, it's abundantly clear after some experience with this wine that you're having fun doing a great job at what you're doing. Would have to absolutely 100% agree with you, Chester. Cheers. Thank you. Well, thank Sante. you. Salut. Brindis. All right, should we wrap this up? Are we finished sucking up people's time? Like Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into my Bitch and Wine talk show. <laughs> I'm Stephen Lane alongside Chester the Nightfly at Northfield. Until next time, wine is merely the poop of Christ. I thought we weren't going to go with that. Just drink it, all right? <laughs> sure. Chester, have you opened the wine yet? Can we get the show on the road, please? Did you bring the wine? I got the wine. <laughs>
What do you think this is? Some kind of bitch and wine talk show? 